1: The views expressed in this presentation are those of the speakers and do not necessarily reflect those of the U.S. Army War College, U.S. Army, or Department of Defense.
0: Welcome to A Better Peace, the War Room Podcast. I'm Ron Grenieri, Professor of History at the Department of National Security and Strategy at the U.S. Army War College and Podcast Editor of the War Room. It's a pleasure to have you with us. Ever since the establishment of the All-Volunteer Force in 1973, the Army has faced the challenge of how to appeal to and attract the widest possible range of new recruits. Our guest today, Lieutenant Colonel Robert Gerlock of the Army War College Class of 2021, has conducted special research on this topic as a strategy research project and produced, which is very unusual for the War College, a video which demonstrates how the Army can use museums as a public-facing institution to attract new recruits. To talk about how that should work and what inspired him to do that work, we have with us Lieutenant Colonel Gerlock and his project advisor, Colonel Silas Martinez. Lieutenant Colonel Robert Gerlock is an Army reservist who received a direct commission as a medical service officer in 2001. Prior to his arrival at Carlisle Barracks, he was assigned to the newly formed Army Enterprise Marketing Office in Chicago, Illinois, where he developed strategic marketing programs. Employed by Sears since 1986, he is a divisional vice president in charge of various marketing programs. Colonel Silas Martinez, who advised Lieutenant Colonel Gerlach's research project, is the director of leader development at the U.S. Army War College, interested in research on talent management and selection. Welcome to A Better Peace, gentlemen. Thank you. Hello. So, Rob, I want to start with you. How did you decide to make this the topic of your research, and how did you decide uh, to—usually, strategy research projects are written essays. What made you decide that this had to be done in a different format?
2: So so I I had met with the Honorable Dr. Wardinsky, who is in charge, or at that time was in charge of uh, uh, manpower and reserve affairs for the Army, the assistant secretary and asked the question, what what problem can I solve for the Army? So the inspiration really came from from Dr. Wardinski to focus on museums and for me to take it from there. So he described how we have this asset. It's, uh, it's a great asset, and there's uh, many, many museums in the inventory. However, there's an opportunity there to capture that enthusiasm someone might feel when going through the museum. Mm-hmm. And so I took a look at... Know, what could be done and how would you approach it? And so essentially said, all right. So I came up with some strategies, uh, researched it, and then said, How's the, what's the best way of, of describing this to an audience? And a paper just wouldn't have cut it. And it, it, Visual, sound, uh, graphics. And so I uh, sought special permission to get uh, video completed and went through my project advisor, uh, Colonel Martinez, and uh,
0: went from there. Mm-hmm. And, and Silas, I want to ask you, uh, when Rob came to you for this project, right, on the one hand, it's talent management, it's about selection, but it was something completely new and different. Uh, what was it like to have to uh, advise this project to shepherd it to its conclusion?
1: Well, I got to say, you know, uh, as an advisor and, and faculty member here, I'm, I'm always interested in folks who want to solve real problems, hmm. and so this is a real problem uh, related to talent management, and that that always starts with the sessions, right? So last year, we did a related project on how the reserve, or excuse me, the, um, the sessions command kind of revamped their approach in order to meet their recruiting goal. So this is a real problem, is related to my interests. It had a real customer. Uh, Rob mentioned that it was for the ASA MNRA and uh, they had some real money to put behind it. And Mm -hmm. so the idea of doing this in a video format, because I think that that had a chance of being viewed at upper levels, folks don't have time to read 25 page papers, but often we'll have time to read a 10 or watch a 10 minute video, particularly if it's compelling as this one is. Um, Those things all kind of got me excited um, to be involved in this.
0: Um. Did you face any pushback from the, uh, from the administration about, uh, accepting a video as a research project? No real pushback, but
1: as far as I know, this is the first video SRP to be done. So there are some procedures for getting permission to do it. Mm -hmm. So outside the, Hey, this is what I want to do. Um, you get permission from the Dean kind of a thing. There was no pushback. There was a little bit more administrative upfront. Um, but once we were able to satisfy, um, what the requirements were, who the customer was, what we would be delivering, um, it was pretty easy to get approved.
0: Right. And so, Rob, obviously, uh, when I read your bio, right, there's this interesting division. On the one hand, it's, it's obvious why you might be interested in this topic as someone who is de- interested in marketing in his civilian life. But um, how did you get from a medical service officer to uh, Army, the Ar- Army Enterprise Marketing Office? For that
2: experience. So those are, uh, yeah, completely unrelated <laughs> activities. And honestly, the, the way that I uh, ended up uh, at the uh, AMO office or Army Enterprise Marketing Office was seeking out free food and drinks one night in Washington, D.C. So I was there supporting uh, Army Reserve Medical Command. And the um, uh, one of the folks that worked for me said, hey, I've got a friend that is a liaison between the senator's offices and the Army can I go? And I said, sure, as long as I'm your plus one. So there I am eating my pig in a blanket and having my free drink and the, some senators walk in and the secretary of the army and chief staff of the army and other folks. So I ended up having a conversation or two and was asked by the secretary to, um, to see if I could help. And you know, the word help is very open-ended. Um, uh, subsequently uh had uh a coffee with the uh, general that was in charge uh, that is in charge of uh, army enterprise marketing and ended up on a uh, tour there and It was uh, a great privilege and a great experience and a whole bunch of talented people uh in AMO working with a great agency and so and it was there that I had met um, uh Dr. Wardinsky. and uh so when I arrived at the war college, I had reached out to him about uh doing a project so it was it was really about free drinks and food that led me here. Nothing to do with medical.
0: Well, so uh, what I'm thinking is perhaps there might be a future SRP for somebody about the appropriate canape menus in order to uh, attract recruits to the armed forces. Yes, that that will also be a video. <laughs> well, so uh, I want to talk about the making of the video in a second, but before that, um, you know, you 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 hit on the use of museums, right, and the fact that there are these. Army museums or museums affiliated with the with the army related to military questions in various locations around the country. How had the army, as far as based on your research, how had the army viewed the purpose of these museums before you came along and said they could be used as a recruiting tool?
2: Sure. So so today, uh, army museums are basically a, a, a tribute to history, mm-hmm. and and it's also to honor those who have served. And so you've got different displays at different uh, bases based on what uh, they stand for. So you've got infantry and you've got transportation. So each of those has their own uh, approach to displaying artifacts that are important to their history, or again, honoring those who have nobly served. And so the question, the research questions were uh, basically if you've got somebody touring a museum, what, what's the outlet for uh, them to express interest or just as importantly, if an influencer is touring a museum, the parent of somebody who might be eligible or may want to go into the military, what's the outlet there to learn more or do more? And so the approach that I took was to say, if I were walking through a museum and I was interested in in the army, what would I do? I suppose I'd leave there and, and go just you know discuss things with a recruiter. But but part of the the underpinnings of this also were to say, if if you were touring a museum, who, who's best to tell that story and lead you down the road to learning more. And so I said, all right, what, what if you had the soldiers of today telling the story of the soldiers of yesterday? So you'd walk up to a display and there's an app and we call it the VIP app. And that's based on uh, the VIP app is an existing app for another another purpose I can describe later. But essentially you would walk up, hit a QR code That QR code would pop a video about that display, and again, a soldier of today telling the story of yesterday, and then say, would you like to learn more about Army jobs, or would you like to learn more about the jobs that made this possible? The the majority of, of displays in museums are combat arms, but the majority of jobs in the Army are actually support. So there's an opportunity to say, would you like to learn about all the different jobs that made this particular weapon system possible? There's engineers, there's uh, potentially medical folks in the sense that you know there's related industry or related jobs to uh, whatever that weapon system does, or wh- whatever that is. So exposing people to other roles in the military uh, through this app and videos and entertaining them uh, was, was one major component. The other component to this was an element of gamification. Mm-hmm. And gamification is taking average things and turning them into fun or exciting games or, or uh, something along those lines. So essentially, what I said was, what what if we had a system where you could gain points for touring museum or gain point get points for challenges such as STEM challenges that someone might go through uh, if, if they were in a particular job in the military? So then you take all that data, and you say, okay, this person just toured this museum, they were interested in these displays, they scored this on STEM, here are the roles in the military they might be actually be qualified for. Mm-hmm. And so, so there's an element of discovery, there's an element of, of gamification, there's an element of entertainment, and there's an element of getting somebody closer to having that conversation with, with a recruiter.
0: Well, and and Silas, I want to bring you in on this because I'm I'm curious about you know what kind of research there existed since you you study talent management, and you study uh, selection and retention. What kind of uh, research existed before about the the way that gamification or these kinds of visual stimuli can help to uh, both attract. Uh, possible recruits, but also to go on to that next step that Rob was just talking about, maybe even give you some insight into who these people are so that you can make a more targeted approach to them later.
1: Well, the project that we did with Recruiting Command last year talked about the formation of two specific teams. One of them was involved in cross-fitting games, but the other one was involved in actual video games. Mm -hmm. And so one of the problems that, that we found was the leads created... By folks interested in either of those teams we had a hard time of uh, of capitalizing on those lead those leads, and we ran into a similar problem here, but a slightly different one. And, and maybe Rob will talk about this later. But is how do we process or interact with cho- with children those who may be under eighteen um, legally you know, right. when they show interest, but we really can't be seen to be uh, recruiting minors at this point. So. Uh, it's an answer, a direct answer to your question. It's a largely kind of undeveloped field mm-hmm. as mm-hmm. it relates to our army. And, and so this is kind of another way to try to figure out how do we leverage technology uh, ethically and legally in a way that gives a greater return on investment for things that the that the army's already doing.
0: Right. And because the idea is, if if I understand you, Rob, is you want to make sure that the the videos or whatever, the information that people are getting is giving them some straight information about careers in the army, right? As you say, right, since, you know, the games are usually about combat, but the army is not hundred percent about combat since so many people are in support positions. And so having real live existing army folks explain what it's like to be in the army, you know, that kind of in- finding ways to get that information out to people can be very positive so which museums did you end up including in the in this report uh, just to start off
2: sure so so a couple of things first the one of the one of the aims of this is to take uh, the museum and the content bring it to life so that people want to learn more and on goarmy.com uh, there's actually a lot of content there so this helps lead people to some of the existing content as well. So the museums that I looked at were the National Museum, the mm-hmm. Army uh, National Museum that just uh, opened up in November, and the Army Heritage Museum here in Carlisle, AHEC. Mm-hmm. And so, uh, actually, we just got the green light to go forward with a pilot in both of those museums. So I'm coming up right now with the, um, the I'm coming up right now with what that'll look like, uh, kind of a skinny down version to get some learnings uh, going. But those two museums. I also toured the United States Marine Museum and just to get some inspiration on what they're doing. And then I've also been to other museums uh, just throughout my career, um, uh, Fort Sam Houston, you know, just different museums. But but essentially those two, the AHEC and the National will be the, the two that will uh, pilot the Marine Museum I toured because they have some, some good stuff. There's inspiration everywhere. They have some good stuff on how... You know what it's like to go through uh, basic training, but those were those were the two that I focused on.
0: Mm-hmm. So when you think about other museums, because a question that I'm curious about is certain museums. I I we we spoke beforehand about say the first division museum out outside of Chicago at Cantini, which is very much a history museum of a particular unit, and. What I've never understood, and perhaps a lot of our listeners have never understood, is what is the relationship between those kinds of history museums and the Army now? Right? So obviously, they're not formally run by the Army, but it is Army history. And and does how high up basically does the Army's interest in shaping these kinds of museums outside of the National Museum? You know, does the Army have a kind of overarching approach to the these museums even? outside of whatever they do with recruiting, but just, you know, does the army care? Does the army oversee these museums or are they left up to whatever the local board or the local organizers decide to do with them?
2: So I've been, I've been to Cantini and I believe that's, that's private. It's private. So there's Mm -hmm. no jurisdiction that I'm aware of over Cantini. So the museums will focus on are the ones that are actually run by the United States Army or owned by the United States Army. Gotcha. I suppose there could be application to these other museums and it would be a case by case basis because they are private mm-hmm. on whether they wanted to participate or not. So I don't know that there's any there's certainly no jurisdiction, but there's certainly maybe some relationship somewhere, but we would have to seek that out. But the starting point would be those assets that we control. Right.
0: And and but so when the the two that you included in the video uh AHEC here in Carlisle and also the National Museum, which is in in Washington, is that right? Is that where the National Museum yes. is yeah yep, just the,
2: outside Fort Belvoir
0: just outside Port, Fort Belvoir thank you that um, are they then run through the uh, if they're directly connected to the Army, is that through the uh, through the office of the Secretary of the Army or is it through a particular office of public affairs you know what is the what is the Army's institutional connection to those museums?
2: So I, I don't know the exact reporting structure, but they are definitely under the direction of the army
0: of oh, the army. Okay, that's fair. And um, and so, what would being more say? Because what you seem to be describing is uh, that obviously these museums have always indirectly served the purpose of interesting people in the army. So in that sense, right, indirectly, perhaps they they always have had a recruiting purpose. Just nobody's made it explicit. But what kind of larger policy? Changes would be necessary in order to make that connection to ex, uh, explicit sort of recruiting lead generation or whatever to make that happen. What would the army have well, to do so, differently?
2: Yeah, so that's that's a great question, and and uh, Syed alluded to this uh, earlier about uh, data and and recruiting. So we have a policy that we do not collect or store information on people under a certain age, yeah. you know, seventeen and certain grade high school, what have you. And you're going to have different folks coming into these museums. It could be a class trip. I have a bunch of freshmen or sophomore who might be underage for this, and they're going to want to download the app and they're going to want to participate. And so, you know, the, the, the goal is to abide by the law and to uh, have everything in place that would allow somebody to participate and still uh, follow those rules. So my assertion in, in the video is and, and demonstrate a, a token system. So you can collect just one piece of information. You're not violating any rules uh, from, from a, a, a PII perspective, but still allowing somebody to pr- participate. Once they become of age, then we would collect uh, more information. And so from an influence standpoint, you have people that are you know 15, 16 years old who are interested in the military, but we want to make sure we're not contacting them or reaching out to them, or nor storing PII so that uh, we, we follow the rules. Now, those are the government rules. Now, the rules outside the government say age 13 and up. You know, you can you can start collecting information on people. However, again, different rules for the government. So we would abide by those through this token system, and ensure that uh, their age is uh, uh, you no. Know, it's one of the questions that would be asked is is age, and and no other uh, real identifiable information other than say email. So once they become of age, then we'd say, hey, you want you want to learn more, and then follow a contact strategy uh, therein. The current army systems do. Uh, flush out if someone's underage. So if somebody were to put their go to goarmy.com and fill out the online uh, piece and say I want to be contacted and they you know they, they say they're fifteen years old, it's automatically going to filter them out. So then how do you how do you how do you maintain that uh, that uh, allowing somebody to participate but not Again, have some, some recruiter uh, contact them. So that that's part of what I outline in the video how to how to do that.
0: Mm-hmm. And and Cy, I have a, a bureaucratic question that might go to some of your deeper expertise here. But as a it, since I know that recruiting is often territorial, regional, so office in a city. When somebody goes through GoArmy.com rather than through their local recruiting office, um, if they to make that initial contact um does goarmy.com do they do they pass that along to the nearest possible recruiter so that that recruiter can try to attract that person or is there uh, uh or, or is that just something that's done centrally because I'm curious about if i'm a if I'm a recruiting officer, I want to make sure that I'm hitting my numbers for my recruits and I wouldn't like there to be some kind of computerized system that's you know creaming off interested people.
1: Yeah, so uh, at last I checked, which was a lot closer to last year's project, mm-hmm. we, we still haven't figured out how to leverage how to leverage that and parse those out directly, right? Mm-hmm. You know, or is it every is it go to the recruiters who are in the area of the museum or the CrossFit ex, you know event, or mm-hmm. is it based on their home address? So I, I really don't know the answer to your question, um, but we continue to try to solve these things in a way that makes the most good for the Army at large, as opposed to any individual recruiter.
0: Right right cuz i'm thinking you know if, if if you think about the national museum right you know a tour group from omaha going to washington and somebody you know f- the folk goes through the process and then you know which you know if there's some recruiting officer back in omaha who might miss out on somebody and but i guess these are these are sort of the, the second and third level practical things that would come if you get to the point that you can actually attract uh, collect this information when it's appropriate and use it when it's appropriate um outside of yeah, right. outside so, of the you know oh, as ahead. we
1: continue to as we continue to build these tools and continue to use them and continue to learn the lessons, then we can begin to refine, uh, you know, the, the procedures and policies, you know, as they relate to accessions and all that stuff. Because what we don't want to do is create something that actually um, decreases faith right. in our military. You know, hey, I filled this thing out in D.C. and here it is four months later and I'm back home in Omaha and nobody's contacting nobody's contacted me. So contacted. we've really got to work at every level of the organization to make sure that we can actually uh, maximize the benefit from these kinds of tools.
0: Right. And now back to you, Rob, uh, on this as well is, um, when you were talking to people about this project, um, did anybody say museums, that's not a good idea or did so- you, or did you get any pushback at all? I guess is the question.
2: Absolutely. There are folks that are concerned about marketing to underage people. And if you think about museums, when would somebody go to a museum? Either on a class trip or with their parents or on their own. I had a conversation with some individuals who were in their early 20s at the AHEC and asked if you saw a QR code here, would you download an app to use it? Yes, I would. That sounds kind of like an audio tour, but with visual, yes, it is. Would you, any, would any of you be interested in joining the army ever in your life? Uh, Two uh, hands went up out of six kids and I say kids, early twenties. And so, you know, I don't know the, the status of where they were at. I, you know, I'd asked, you know, have you, have you made contact with anybody yet? No, not yet, but I would be interested in joining the army. So, you know, we absolutely will get pushback because, you know, there's many reasons why those museums exist and honoring fallen soldiers is one of them, which is an important, uh, which is an important element of a museum. So, so we do not want the museum to be associated with recruiting in an overt way. So you don't want to, Hey, don't go to the museum. They're just going to call you to join the army. Right. What we want to do is we want to provide an outlet for people to learn more about army jobs and that might be information just for entertainment purposes or might be for career purposes. But we also want to be able to bottle that enthusiasm that somebody might feel after touring a museum and be able to engage them. So, so if, if nothing else, if nothing else, it will enhance the museum experience for anybody that goes through it because now you've got a soldier talking about today. Sure. And what we hope for is for somebody to say, hey, you know what? That's kind of interesting. I do want to learn more. Great.
0: Cy.
1: Yeah. So one of the things that we talked about when we were talking about, you know, how do we how do we identify who's really interested? So there are different things you can do with the metrics. Like if you give them points for doing things, somebody who's racked up a large amount of points in a short amount of time, that might be a very strong indicator that somebody's really interested in the army. Yeah. On the other hand, if you got somebody who got a few points on the visit and then they never come back again, that might be a different kind of indicator. So we still got to really look at what do the pattern of the data say Mm -hmm. about a person's intent? And over time, build a corpus of knowledge about how do we interpret that so that we can actually begin to do exactly what Rob is saying, which is um, honor the purposes of the museum without cheapening them as a recruiting tool, but also tapping into potentially highly interested folks who might not express interest in any other.
0: Right. Well, and and as we as we get close to the end here, um, we're clearly at the beginning of something with this idea. And so, Rob, how do you imagine next steps?
2: So next steps are to take the AHEC and the National Museum and get a pilot going mm-hmm. on, on, on a limited basis. And, and as Cy alluded to, Uh, An element of this is the gamification of earning points. So you get points for viewing a display, you get points for visiting a museum, but this tool has application outside of a museum. So with the app, you could could go to a high school event, say, okay, download the app and take the STEM challenge. Okay, who's good at science? Who's good at technology? And so next steps are getting these elements in place, testing them in two places, see what we can learn, and then building from there. But also expanding it to beyond museums, we can tie some of the swag to earning points as well. So you earn a certain amount of points, you get a hat or an army shirt or backpack, whatever, and so then it gives the swag a little bit more oomph, uh, if you will. So getting the getting the uh, getting the basics built at the museum level, getting the content built, testing, seeing what works, what doesn't work, and then building from there.
0: And the um the the project itself. Um, is it a is it uh, finished and polished enough that the public could see it, or is this purely for internal uh, uh, study by people who are going to do this recruiting in the future?
2: It would be exposed to the public mm-hmm. because it'll be it'll be I- implemented at the museum. So it's I mean, it's right now in concept, and there is the what's called the VIP app, which is in use at the National Museum in conjunction with a game that's there. So we'll build on that app as the platform the videos still have to be shot of displays, QR codes developed. So there's so, so absolutely the public will see it, but it'll be uh, once it's developed. And and I don't have a timeline. One of the things I'm working on over the next couple of weeks is
0: a timeline mm. for how this gets built out. Great. And the the project itself, so the video is what, uh, 19 minutes long, is that right? Total of 19, 19 minutes. minutes. And, and uh, how many hours did it take to put together that video? Just so that nobody gets the idea that this is somehow easier than writing a... A, a sure. In- interesting. is interesting to say
2: that because I'm going to be putting together uh, a one pager for the CAD or the, the, you know, the writing uh, piece uh, mm-hmm. for the War College. If you were going to do a video, here's how here's how you would do it. So in the studio was about 150 hours. Uh, the editor I worked with here, he logged 159. But we also had some time that we shot over at the AHEC. So about 150 hours in the studio, nine hours of shooting. And then another it 5 hours of shooting over at the national uh, which I did and then also the uh, marine museum I took some video there and then about 30 hours of uh, just doing storyboards so so all in with writing
0: with storyboards the
2: the whole project about
0: 200 hours about 200 hours so uh, a seriously labor intensive project which you managed to complete on time no less so i guess we should that should be tribute to your advisor right
2: <laughs> yes, good. Good coaching <laughs> can always attribute uh, good things to a good coach. So, it, what what ended up happening was I came back from Christmas break earlier than uh, other folks and was in the studio for two solid weeks mm-hmm. uh, while everybody was on on break and got a, the a big part of it done there. I mean, I actually started on the project in September
0: mm-hmm.
2: because I had the meeting. Uh, at the Pentagon and, and then started putting the storyboards together uh, and and then uh, wasn't ready to do any editing until uh, that right after uh, the the Christmas uh, holiday. Right.
0: So, Sai, last word on the subject? Go ahead.
1: Yeah, I was going to say you can attribute it to the coach, but uh, that would not necessarily be true. Uh, Rob <laughs> did a phenomenal job. He brought phenomenal energy to this. And I got to say, man, this is an example of leveraging the skills that our reservists bring mm-hmm. and harnessing those things to improve the army. So, you know, Rob's civilian skill set and civilian experiences is what even made him think, hey, how can I solve a problem for the army? And we're benefiting from it. So I think it's a wonderful example all the way around of quality work, quality drive, great problem. And then harnessing that that reserve component, active component um relationship to really, to really improve our army.
0: Outstanding. Glad you brought that up. And Rob, last word for you. What will you be doing after you complete your graduation at the Army War College in the next few weeks?
2: So military, I will be taking a battalion command and I'm privileged with command. And then I will also be returning to my civilian employer, uh, Transform Co, owner of Sears and Kmart.
0: All right. Well, Rob Gerlach, thank you for joining us on A Better Piece. And Sai Martinez, it's great to talk to you both about this project and about uh, its future use for the Army. Thanks very much for joining us. Thank you for having us. You bet. And thanks to all of you for listening in. Please send us your comments on this program and all the programs and send us your suggestions for future programs. Please subscribe to A Better Piece if you have not already and encourage your friends and family to subscribe as well. And after you have subscribed to A Better Piece on the podcatcher of your choice, please take a moment to read and review this podcast because that's how more people can find out About us, We're always interested in widening this community for conversations like this one. And so we look forward to welcoming you to the next one. And until next time, from the War Room, I'm Ron Granary. And that concludes our program. Thank you for listening. The views expressed in this podcast reflect those of the speakers and do not necessarily reflect the views, policies, or positions of the U.S. Army or the Department of Defense. Let us know what you think. Provide us your feedback, comments, or suggestions through our webpage at warroom.armywarcollege.edu and have a great day.